0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Sports are
1: back and we at The Athletic have you covered. And to celebrate the return of sports, we're offering 40% off an annual subscription. Get access to all of The Athletic's exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Scott Powers and I have you covered on the Blackhawks and our army of writers have you covered in every other series and every other sport. So go to theathletic.com slash Laz and Powers and get 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams or our deep dives, or our analysis, our stupid features on mascots. We got it all. So go to theathletic.com slash Laz for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there.
0: It's not about me. I'm only
2: here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help
0: even just a little bit Won't you let me try
1: Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers podcast. I'm Mark Lazarus, joined by Scott Powers. We are both of The Athletic, but you know that. You've been listening for a while. And man, last night... The Blackhawks won, uh, I mean, it wasn't quite 17 seconds, but you score two goals in the last six minutes to pull out a playoff victory and put yourself on the brink of moving on to the round of 16. Like Scott told me on Slack yesterday, it's starting to feel like the playoffs a little bit. What do you think,
2: Scott? Yeah, I'd like to see the time between that uh, that message and that next goal because it felt like it was within seconds. Like it just, it, you know, they tied the game up and that was sort of unexpected. And then they, they score again pretty quickly and go ahead and that was unexpected and, uh it wasn't 17 seconds, but it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It felt like playoff hockey. Like there was tension. Like the first two games, they were uh, decided. You know, so before the before the second period, almost. You know, like it was just it was so lopsided. This one finally had some tension, and drama, and, um, and the Blackhawks did what we've seen them do five years ago and plus. You know, so it was. Uh, and the fact that you had Taves and some of those guys involved. But yeah, it was it was a fun game. You know, I, I thought it was. Uh, I hate so much special teams because it just feels like he gets out of a rhythm and it's all just kind of like, well, who's going to capitalize on special teams? And um, and obviously the Blackhawks were failing in that category, but it was it, it was nice that the uh, you know third period and the first were a little bit more five on five, and you felt like there was uh, you know some strategy being being played in there. And um, and again, they're scoring goals. Like it's been an entertaining series. You know, I, I don't know how. You know, great. It's been, but it's been it's been fun and competitive, and certainly ice has been been choppy and just crappy, and um, and playing that last game at night, and you know, it's 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 certainly just yeah, I feel it every morning after these late night games. Just (laughs) the, uh, but uh, yeah, it was fun. It was it was was play up hockey. It it felt like that.
1: How early did your daughter wake up this morning?
2: I she so she woke up about. I went to sleep around 1 and then she cried and I went in there at one thirty, and then she fell back asleep, and then I, uh, she got up again at 5.30. I'm just, I'm a lighter sleeper than 5.30. So oh my God. And then when my wife got up like an hour later, she let me, uh, she took over and I went back to sleep. Yeah. I didn't get to bed
1: till about 2.30, but my kids, we've trained our kids cause my wife and I were both working nights when the, my oldest was born. And so yeah. her bedtime was just like midnight. Because that's when it was worked for us. Because we got home from work at like nine or ten o'clock, so her, we, we wanted to see her. So her her bedtime was midnight, and it worked so well that we did that with our younger daughter, even though we weren't working nights anymore. And they sleep till eight a.m. like every day. At, at the earliest they get up is eight a.m. I'm telling you, you can train your kids to be night owls.
2: Yeah, I know. If, if anyone has any uh, tips, please uh, please email me and or, or tweet at me, or whatever. I could really use some uh, sleep advice <laughs> lately with the child. She's <laughs> she's not self soothing and. Uh, yeah, she's a little bit too dependent That's probably on us, but it's um, yeah, I guess I mean that's been nice too with the whole uh, the whole pandemic the one uh, the one I'm is being at home this entire time and spending so much time at, at home with the kid but um, yeah I, I was going through the numbers about you know there's so much about the last change and, and I was curious how Carlton was gonna handle that um, and and it, it seemed more that he was trying to protect a few players like the, you know like David saw a lot of different lines. Uh, but he didn't see a lot of Strom and uh, Boquist didn't play the last uh, almost six six thirty of the game. And I felt like there was, uh, you know, he certainly tried to get that camp line in the, in the defensive zone, and, um, uh, and so. But it was more of, you know, I think that Strom line really struggled, and the fact that he went with, back with Kane with the dock line was interesting. I thought he was really going to go back to what worked, what worked in that in that first game. So I, I felt like there were some strategic moves that that worked out for them, where. Um, Ultimately, the two five-on-five five goals the Oilers score. You know, it's one on uh, Camp wins a face off and then Highmore kind of knocks it back. And I think it's almost a faceoff-like set play where they're trying to, to set him free, but he knocks the puck back. And I think it's part of it because the ice is so bad that it becomes uh, it, it bounces and it ultimately ends up kind of a bang bang playing with the right side. And the second one is you know it's right off Highmore's stick and he turns it over. And it's another play where they capitalize on rebound. But other than that, the, the Oilers don't score a five-on-five goal. Some of the uh, the five on five numbers, you know, were were in the Oilers' favor, but overall, I don't I don't, don't see McDavid have a lot of amazing chances. I don't. They didn't have a lot of transition plays. You know, Dreisaitl the uh, Dahan one time, but uh, aside from that, there really weren't like a lot of chances where I can remember them having kind of like the, what they did in the, in the second game.
1: Yeah, you know, the most remarkable thing to me was that Kirby Dock led all Blackhawks forwards with in ice time. He had- uh 23 minutes and 21 seconds that's two more minutes than Jonathan Taves played that's how much power play time he's getting and uh, the uh, being elevated to that second line Jeremy Colton has full trust in him now playing both ends of the ice against anyone you want to put him out with he was out there against McDavid sometimes out there against Dryside a little bit uh even with you know Kane on his wing like they they in any role they'll put him out there and he was playing a ton of minutes you know, like you said, Boquist got dialed back considerably because he had to be protected. Kirby Doc has reached a point, at least in Jeremy Collinson's mind, where he doesn't need to be protected, and he's got four points in three games here. You know, all that hype that we saw from him, you know, that we were talking about him during Phase Three is really coming to fruition. All the stuff that we're not seeing out of Neilander and Strom, we're seeing at a Kirby Dock. He's he's really taking that next step.
2: Yeah, even at five on five here, he's uh, he's right behind Canaan DeBrinket. So that that line certainly led the way, and. um that's, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, just going back to that draft, and just I remember writing in the column about how this could be, you know, this is changing me, altering one way or another. And, um, yeah, the Blackhawks got this right, you know, like he just, he, he's, he's the real deal, and this is, this is going to set them up. And, um, I, I know that there were some people kind of hoping that they'd, uh, they'd, lose this and get a chance at that first pick, but, uh, I think this is even more, you know, this experience for Doc and showing what he can be. And I, and I don't know if the Hawks are going to win the Cup, you know, but it's uh, this is this is all positive and And um, him getting this experience against these players and, you know, playing in this situation, it is sort of like that second season. It's really, I, I think even for Boquist, you know, despite kind of getting his ice time cut yesterday, I thought he played better and, you know, the numbers were pretty favorable to him. And um, it's, uh, these experiences matter. And, you know, if they win this series, I, it's something... Uh, I think they build upon, you know, I think it's, um, you know, right now it looks like it could be the avalanche and that next round, which could be a, could be a tough, tough going, but it's, uh, I think there are a lot of positive Blackhawks that are able to draw from this regardless of how far they go.
1: Yeah. I mean, going into this, once they announced the 2014 return to play protocol, I mean, it was a win-win either. They were going to get at least two rounds of the, uh, of playoff hockey, or you were going to have a chance at the number one pick. I mean, you, you couldn't go wrong here. And I know a lot of fans are thinking in the long term and they want to see that number one pick. They want that 12.5% chance. But chances are they're not going to win the lottery two years in a row. And they were going to be picking in the in the, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 range anyway. So if you have a chance to get at least two rounds of playoff hockey after almost three years of going without it, I don't see how you can be complaining right now if you're a Blackhawk. I wrote about it this morning. Uh, it, it really feels like you can look at this roster and you can squint a little bit and you can see real genuine hope on the horizon that it won't just be mediocre forever at best. You know, you start looking at Kirby Doc and Bokas. You know that Mitchell's coming in. You got uh, Pius uh, Suter is coming in and he's you're getting kind of Kubelik hype. You got Kubelik. There's so much good young talent on this team and then you see that Taves and Keith and Kane, they still got it when the when when the when the pressure's on and the matter and the moment matters. They're still great players. You could start seeing how this team, you know, if they can figure out the flat cap, which is a huge if, you could start seeing how this team could put together a competitive team in the near future and not just be in that mushy middle forever.
2: Yeah, I was sort of thinking about it too. Like, I the fact that Stroman Nylander have been disappointing. Like, you, you sort of you need to figure that out, right? Like, what is what is Nylander's ceiling? Where does he go from there? Because I, I don't think you can go through another season. Uh, again, this is well ahead, but having him kind of bounce around and. Because the Blackhawks, you know, coming into the series, you thought he that was going to be the line, and uh, and you know, just out of out of what happened last game, that Carlton had to go find something else, and that that the you know, the Brinket's become such a great passer too. Like he's, it's it's really an area of his game where I felt like you know, like he he even helped set up that goal yesterday, and he, he's it's yeah, I, I don't know, I feel like they complement each other so well that. That's a potential line for the future. Where if Docs defending like that, um, you know it's not as much of a liability with, with Strom out there. But they they need to get you know like you can't be hiding Nylander and Strom, and you need those guys that have some kind of offensive presence, especially in a series like this where where there should have been some some open chances for them.
1: I mean, ideally you have, you know, this we're not we're not in the 1980s and 90s anymore where your third line is a checking line. You need three legitimate scoring lines. So you can have Strom and Nylander on the third line and still have that be an offensive-minded line. You got your camp line with Carpenter to really lock things down in the fourth line. We've seen them get in the big minutes against the big guns in this series. So I, you know, Nylander doesn't have to be a top-six guy. Strome doesn't have to be a top-six guy. And you think back to the Blackhawks in you know, 2015, their third line was what? It was and, uh, Vermette, and Sharp, right? I mean, those are all offensive-minded guys. Sharp has a good two-way game. Vermette has a two-way game. But those are good offensive players. So I, you know, it's not inconceivable that Nylander can still be a productive player and be on that third line with Strome. We know Strome can produce, though he certainly produces better when he's got to bring it on his line. Uh, but you're right, DeBringit has really become a good passer and he's a good complement to Kane. Uh, so I, you, you, that line has a lot of potential. Kirby Dock is your number one center of the future, so he's your number two center of the present. Uh, Strom has kind of gotten bumped down that order a little bit. We saw it this year when he was getting wing uh, minutes on the wing because Colleton was trying to find a way to maximize him. Uh, but you need a scoring third line. That's what the Blackhawks have not had mm-hmm. for three years. So if you can get a third line out of Nylander and Strom and Kajula or whoever, you know that's that's not a bad thing. But they have to prove that they can do it, and they have to prove they can do it in these big moments. And right now, Nylander in particular, Strom to a little uh, lesser degree, but still happening. Uh, they're not; they're just not performing to a playoff level.
2: And I think Pia Suter plays. I think he's a top-nine guy who steps in there, and they certainly have Shaw coming back potentially next year. So um, I, I guess we'll see how it plays out with Strom's contract and Kajula's and some of those guys. And uh, I, I imagine Koopa a very pr- much a priority, and... Um, uh, Crawford i it, it wasn't a huge talking point last night but I thought he rebounded I thought he he made some huge saves there were uh you know on, on one of the earlier Oilers power plays before they scored I, I thought he had a he had a great great save right at the nets and um yeah no, it, he gave them what they needed last night and, and you know it was you know the oilers are gonna score their goals i think and the Blackhawks need to outscore them but Crawford came up with some huge saves oh he was great and you know you look
1: at all three goals that Edmonton scored he had no chance on him. You know, Ole Mata lost, completely lost Drysidle on the back door on the first one. Um, Crawford was down and out. He had that really great save, but he couldn't quite corral the rebound because he was spread eagle on the ice. And, you know, McDavid had a, had an easy one there. And then the the third dry, the third goal with uh, Drysidle, it was the same thing where he was just, he was down and out and didn't have a chance. He made a lot of good saves. You know, the Oilers are still getting their chances. The Blackhawks defense is still a problem. You know, Ole Mata is just, man, he is just. Giving and taking away this entire series. It's, a, it's incredible. He's a point to game guy. He's got a couple of goals. Nobody saw that coming. But he seems like he's on the ice for every single goal for and against. Uh, it's been quite a roller coaster for Olimada. But uh, Crawford was was very good last night, and that's the most encouraging sign of all. It's great to see that Taves is producing, even when they're, you know, Taves is one of those make-your-own-luck kind of guys. Both of his goals, I think one went off his skate and one went off his knee. That's a Jonathan Taves goal, though. That's what he does. He plays that heavy game down low. But if Crawford starts getting better and better, and that's what he looked a lot more comfortable yesterday, except for that one weird misadventure behind the net, uh, then, man, it, it's, it's, it's very easy to see the Blackhawks winning this series if Crawford keeps getting better.
2: What are you looking for in Game Four outside for the uh, thankfully the uh, the early starting time?
1: Uh, You know, well, yeah, very very thankful for that. Um, I'm looking to see how the young guys perform. I mean, you know, elimination games are are really pressure packed for the team that can eliminate the other team too. They always see the the fourth win is the hardest to get. Well, in this series, the third win is hardest to get. It's a horrible cliche, and it's entirely true because Edmonton's going to be throwing everything they have. You know, McDavid and Drysidle. They're going to be playing like 30 minutes each. Um, and it's going to be really interesting. You know, you can't hide Boquist in the third period again. You can't hide and Nylander forever. You need these guys to step up and play big in a big pressure-packed game uh, because it's going to. You're going to feel that pressure whether you're up to one or down to one.
2: Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that start of the game is huge again. Even though, I mean, uh, the Blackhawks score and the Oilers come back in this one, but it was. It felt like that scoring that first goal was. There was a little bit of a. A little bit of tension off the Blackhawks, and it wasn't going to be the same. It wasn't going to, you know, kind of unfold the same way he did his last game. So, um, yeah, I think that started. And then the special teams. I mean, the Oilers are giving the Blackhawks chances. You know, if the power play's any better, like these games could be, uh, they could be a little bit more lopsided for the Hawks' advantage. like, just, they need to find a way to consistently. I mean, the only goal they score is on the five-on-three, and that came just with a few seconds left. And um, you know, I think the penalty kill has been pretty good, uh, at least, you know, considering the Oilers are... are, are well, the Oilers the are
1: 5 for 12, so I don't know if it's pretty good, but they're trying. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I guess. I, I, I don't... I, it's hard to say They're putting in the box... Well, it, it's hard to say because... They're going to the box a little too often, and, and, yeah. and, and ultimately the numbers are going to add up, you know? Like, you give them too many chances, they're going to score.
1: Well, that's just it. They're not actually playing that poorly on the penalty kill. They're playing a good, aggressive kill, and it's just the Oilers are so freaking good... That they 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 make you pay anyway. It's almost impossible to stop them.
2: Yeah, you need to. Uh,
1: yeah, like the Blackhawks power play. Me. Yeah, the Blackhawks power play is is terrible. They're standing around. They're doing nothing. They're not moving. They're not shooting. They're around the perimeter. They're not setting up Kubalik. They're not taking advantage of dock down low. But the penalty kill is doing everything right and failing. The power play is doing everything wrong and failing. So they can fix the power play. I'm not sure that you can do anything about the Oilers power play though.
2: Yeah. No. I agree. Um. Yeah. I, I guess we could. Uh, I guess the next time we're doing this, we could be doing this in the next round, which is, I guess officially the playoffs then? This is
1: the playoffs. These stats count as playoffs. I think the NHL kind of relented on that. They were so adamant early on that this did not, that it was a play in series, a qualifying series. It does not count. But then they realized there's all these problems with contracts and bonuses and what counts as a playoffs? Then, And if the regular season's over, how could this not be the playoffs? So the NHL kind of like a couple weeks before all this kind of said, ah,
2: fuck it. They're the playoffs. Yeah. I don't really I, – I, I mean, they're playoffs in one way, but I also kind of – You know, if the Black Blackhawks had lost this, I would be like, they didn't make the playoffs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I've
1: been calling it the postseason because you can't argue that. Yeah. There
2: you go. You're a smart man, Mark Lazarus. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll continue to have uh, content on the athletic we'll have uh, market his calm up this morning and we got some more analysis coming and um, yeah it'd be nice not to have to write at 1 a.m so be, the earlier game time will be uh, advantageous for us so yeah, it's,
1: I'll, um, I'll tell you it's been nice not having to write pluggers for first edition uh, for these late <laughs> night games like like I, it's so weird to have a late night game where I just don't do anything all day because it's like well I'm just gonna wait till the game starts hooray for the internet <laughs>
2: Uh, welcome in my life for many years. It's great. <laughs> um, all right, we'll rest up and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk, uh, I suppose, next week again. Absolutely. See you there. All right, see you. Take care.
0: I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?